Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Today's guest is Heli Lev, Chief Revenue Officer of Gobi, who will be speaking on importance of data-driven ESG programs. Hello, everyone. Um, give everybody 30 seconds just to take seats. Any other takers out there? And we'll get started. In fact, about 10 seconds. Right, everyone, I think we've got our audience for the day. Welcome to the Environmental Sustainability Theatre. Um, my name's Ian Bottrell. I'm JLL's head of our corporate outsourcing business for the Eastern United States, based out of New York City. Um, so a very warm welcome for, from us and from me. Um, at JLL, we take um, our responsible a very responsible and sustainable approach to all that we do as we work to shape the future of real estate and so we're very proud to be the sponsor of the uh, Sustainability Learning Theatre. Um, now let me introduce our speaker. Um, Healy Lev is the Chief Revenue Officer for Gobi. Um, she's going to speak to you on the importance of data-driven ESG programs, and she'll explain uh, what that stands for in a minute. Healy um, joined Gobi in 2012, uh, moving into the Chief Revenue Officer uh, role nearly five years ago, and where she's responsible for sales, marketing, and client experience or customer experience. And she, about four years ago, became a board member of Gobi. Um, coincidentally, she was before her time with Gobi, was with, I'm very proud to say, with JLL for seven years before that. Healy has a Bachelor of uh, Architecture degree and an MBA from Kellogg Business School, so she is eminently um, equipped to speak to you on the subject today. So, Healy, over to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank you guys all for coming. So Healy Lev, uh, appreciate the introduction and excited to talk to you today about the importance of uh, data-driven ESG programs. So before we get into it, I like to know my audience, especially in a small intimate group like this. So maybe raise your hand if you are directly involved or in charge of an ESG program at your own company. Okay, a few of you. Um, raise your hand if you're a participant, but maybe not directing the program. Okay, raise your hand if you know nothing about ESG, it's just an interesting, pertinent topic and you joined this session. Okay, that's good, that's, that's good, good to know. Okay, um, so let's get into it as this is a short session. So why ESG? I think um, having been in this space for my entire career, about 20 years, what I'm excited about is really no one anymore is asking why ESG or if ESG. The question is how ESG, but um, these, are, these are the reasons, right? So hopefully some of these reasons resonate with you. Um, whether it's for risk management, to evaluate opportunities, to boost financial performance, um, contribute to the environmental impact. So whether you're doing it for altruistic or financial reasons, all of those are reasonable motivations and every company is gonna have their own mix of the why. But like I said, um, be it the pandemic that has shed the light on certain issues, especially within the S&G, um, the time is now and, and I think no one anymore is asking if you're going to do it, right? It's just what is the right ESG program that fits what I'm trying to accomplish at my company, who we want to be outwardly and inwardly, et cetera. 
So one problem with this, um, so you've committed, right? You know ESG is important, your company can't ignore it, you gotta do something about it, cool. Problem is managing ESG compliance and data can be time consuming and inefficient. So with this group, um, raise your hand if you've experienced ESG data management being cumbersome. Annoying, cumbersome, okay. So you know what we're talking about, right? You need this data because ESG, especially the E, is founded upon um, energy, um, water, waste, carbon. You have to get that information, right? And that is that can be tough. So what we've worked hard to do at our company is really solve ESG um, from bill to boardroom. And when we say from bill, because a lot of these metrics and this data comes from the utility bills, you have to start there, right? So by the time you get to a CSR report or you get to where the board is communicating um, on ESG initiatives or any of the investor relations benefits around it or the employee retention engagement benefits, um, you got to start small, you got to start with that data, right? And that the source of truth there is the utility bill. And any solid ESG program is built upon the foundation of solid data. So you have to acquire the data um, not just one time, right? Because ESG reporting, it's not stagnant. You don't just get the utility bills one time and you say, wow, that was difficult, but we did it, go us, because you have to do it again the next month or the next quarter or the next year. So you need to build a scalable methodology for collecting this information on an ongoing basis. And that's what we do. So Gobi, um, you know, as Ian mentioned, we are um, ESG consultancy and software. Um, and we were recently acquired by Conservice, which is utility bill management. And this goes back to what I'm saying about the, the data is in those utility bills. And the way that you're going to win with ESG data management is by figuring out a way to get that information out of your utility bills to extract it in a scalable, repeatable methodology on an ongoing basis. Um, having a bill pay provider like a Conservice or their uh, competitors of Conservice who uh, will not name, be mentioned in this um, theater um, is a good way to start, right? Because you have to have a handle on, on your bills and your bill management for more than just paying them, right? Paying the bill is one thing, you have to pay your utility bills, but extracting that usage data out of it so that you can report on it for purposes of ESG is the other facet. So, like I said, um, notable ESG programs are built upon the foundation of reliable data. So you got to start with that bill. You have to figure out if you have uh, multiple locations. So in the case of the audience here, you guys might be facility managers over hundreds, if not thousands of locations, perhaps globally. Utility bills are coming in all different directions and all different languages from different data providers, sources. So you have to make sense of all of that. Um, and then you have to do it again and again and again. So having a bill pay provider helps, but then also you want to be able to look at the information. So if you're talking about hundreds of thousands of locations, even if you just have a handful of locations, but you think about the number of utility bills and meters, it's a lot of information. And you want to be able to extract the, the meaningful, relevant information, that the insights that are in those utility bills and that utility data um, for a couple reasons. Number one is just to um, reduce carbon, reduce energy, reduce water, right? You have to have a baseline. Number two is the reporting. So you have to be able to disclose whether you're um, improving or stagnating or you know, getting worse, getting better. Um, and the other one is you might be required to, in some cases, depending on the municipality, um, there might be mandatory disclosures. And that's happening more and more. So for example, when I first started um, at Gobi about 12 years ago, um, there was only maybe five or six uh, municipalities that required energy disclosure. So where the city says you have to uh, disclose your energy usage to the municipality, what they're going to do with it is up to them. Um, now there's about 40, okay, and some of them are entire states, like the entire state of California, um, et cetera, and they're just becoming more and more. So there, there are different components. 
And then on the right-hand side here, you might be familiar with some of what we as ESG professionals call the alphabet soup of ESG disclosure and reporting. And not all of these are pertinent to all different types of companies. Some of them are pertinent to public companies. Some of them are pertinent to private companies. Some of them are looking at the asset level performance. Some of them are looking at the fund level performance and everything in between. But if you look at 90% of it, it's all going back to that utility bill data, right? You're, no matter what the alphabet soup is there on the right hand side, it's talking about energy. It's talking about water. It's talking about waste. It's talking about carbon. And that information comes from your utility bills unless you have meters at the facility, but it all goes back again to the to the foundation of data um, and data management. Um, and then, of course, you're going to have an overarching ESG strategy, right? So you might raise your hand if um, anyone here has completed a materiality assessment or participated in one. One materiality assessment. Okay, a couple. So the materiality assessment, what that's going to do, hey, is um, it's going to give you the roadmap, right? So it's going to do a 360 degree interview of all the stakeholders that are involved in your business. And it's going to map out for you what is financially material to your business and what has what is impactful with regards to ESG. And that plays into a bigger strategy of who are we as a company? What are we trying to accomplish? What is our ESG strategy? How do we want to disclose that publicly? How do we want to disclose that internally? What are our goals and how do we grow? So it gives you, if you will, like the treasure map for your ESG, so that you have the, the plan. But then you have to execute, right, on the plan. The strategy is just one part of it, and that comes in with the reporting. And that goes back again to the data, the data management, the data acquisition, and a scalable, repeatable methodology for getting it. Um, and it can be intimidating. So, you know, I'll leave it at that. There's a lot of, there's alphabet soup out there. You have different pressures coming either from LPs, from investors, from shareholders, from employees. Um, you know, I think that's a, a change that I've seen specifically in the last decade is now it's coming almost from inside as much as it's coming from um, externally from stakeholders or investors. It's your employees that are saying, I want to work for companies that are doing something. I want to work for companies not that are greenwashing and that have a nice ESG page on their website for marketing purposes. I want to see what you're doing. I want to see tentacles down into your operations and I want you to show me that this company is being responsible and making a difference. Um, and that really drives it. So it's good because it's being driven top down but it's also being driven bottoms up. And the, the undeniable fact then is that the entity or the organization it has no choice, right? No matter where it's coming from. So if we talk about um, materiality assessment, the reason I bring it up, so utility data, energy, water, waste, carbon, that's only one facet of data management and data that's going to uh, be conducive to a solid ESG program and strategy. The other piece is just extracting information, especially within the S&G, out of the, the various operations in your business, right? So if you look at a materiality assessment, you want to talk to, um, all, you want to look at through a lens in all facets of the business from, from the perspective of a customer, from an employee, from a shareholder, from a board member, and kind of figure out what everyone is looking at. So these are the people that are then involved. And then this as well, you're collecting data, right? So even if you're collecting policies from legal or HR, or you're looking at um, you know, accounting practices or governance, internal audit, fraud prevention, um, and then within the S for social, you're looking at things like training, accident um, management, gender pay gap, these types of social issues, it's still a data point that you need to collect, right? It might not be a utility data point, but it's a data point. You need to know what is your gender pay gap. You need to know um, how many times your CEO is paid more than the average employee. Which, by the way, we, um, my colleague and I looked up a fun a stat yesterday. So what do you think, if you were to, to venture a guess, 
Um, it's the top, I think it was 500 companies. What do you think the CEO pay is times the average employee? Like how many times does the CEO make the average employee salary? 125? 50? You're the closest. She said 320, it's 351. 351 times the average employee's salary is the CEO's salary, and this is in the top, I think it was 500-ish companies. So this is widespread. This is an ESG issue. This is an ESG issue as much as energy usage, as much as carbon, as much as waste and recycling. It's an ESG issue. It's a gender pay, or sorry, not gender pay gap. It's just um, a disparity, right? Disparity in pay. So these are other data points that you need to capture and collect. So again, you need to look at a scalable methodology of how do you survey your, either within your own organization or your third party providers or your employee base in an ongoing scalable methodology to collect this information. So we, as a, um, as a software-minded company, both um, Gobi prior to the conservice acquisition, we like technology. We like to scale and leverage technology where we can, but we also acknowledge that there is a human component to ESG. So you can collect survey, you can you can disseminate surveys, you can collect information, you can digest and ingest utility bills, you can um, distill that data to all the various sources. There still has to be a human element, but we do like technology to tackle kind of this arduous task of going out and collecting this information um, on a repetitive basis, so that you can do your disclosure and reporting, and so that of course you can improve. Right? That's that's what everybody wants. To do. They want to draw a line in the sand, they want to be transparent about where they are, they want to set a goal about where they're going, and then they want to show you know, that how they get there. So yes, defining your goals, setting your targets, figuring out which stakeholders need to be part of the process. Um, and then you want to identify which issues matter to you, because within E, S, and G there are issues that might be material and pertinent to your business or not. So for example, um, supply chain, right? That doesn't apply to everyone's business. Some people are extracting natural resources and having to ship them you know, near and far. Some people are just a technology company that might have two offices and everything is in the cloud. So you have to kind of accommodate for what kind of business you have. Um, you have to have a plan. So that's something too that I can say, awesome. In, um, you know, just in my time here, especially within commercial real estate, it started about 15, 20 years ago with just certifications you know everybody was certification happy let's get an energy start at this property let's lead certify that property let's do this and and then you know you had to take a step back 10 15 years later and be like what are we doing here what is our certification strategy why are we doing these certifications how do they matter how do they add up are we getting the bang for our buck should we be spending fifty thousand dollars to lead certify all these properties or is there a different thing what are we actually trying to accomplish so now people who are approaching esg maybe for the first time or maybe have the opportunity to take that step back and do the roadmap first so that's important you know it's it's kind of um you know it's the dog wagging the tail rather the tail wagging the dog if you will um, and then you implement it right so when we talk about materiality, this is the unique fingerprint of each organization. And this is all encompassing of strategy and data. So if you look along this axis, this is going to say what's impactful to your business, uh, moderate to major. And this is going to say what's important to your stakeholders, moderate to major. What's up here and to the right is really saying this is like our North Star, this is the holy grail for our business based on what we've decided, um, who we are, what we do, what our people want, what our customers want, what type of business we're in. And then you can um, decide what data you need to collect to support these initiatives and show that it's not just greenwashing, like we're not just saying, hey, greenhouse gases are important to us, we have a web page about it. We're actually measuring and demonstrating how we've been impactful in that space. 
and you break that down into a tactical strategy or plan and you say we're not going to bite it off all at once we're going to go quarter by quarter and we're going to have certain goals and targets and we're going to accomplish in q4 2020 this and in q1 2021 this and some of these initiatives are just going to be on an ongoing basis so we acknowledge for example let's say um, water performance is important to us but we're gonna start that next year. So it's on our roadmap, we're gonna start it. We know we have to measure water and we're going to, but we're gonna phase it in. And this also helps you communicate so you don't have to do everything at once. So you don't have to say, you know what, here's everything. We're doing all the reporting, we're, we're perfect in every way. This is saying we're addressing everything that matters to it, that we've determined as material to our organization and we have a plan, but it's a, it's a reasonable plan and it, it enables us to um, achieve it, right? Step by step by step. And then with, um, once you've collected all this information and data that kind of tie back into your plan, you want to look at trends and you want to communicate the trends, right? So in this um, specific example, so this is a screenshot from our software platform, um, we're looking here under the social tab and we're looking specifically at gender diversity percentage. Um, this is within the company and this is within the C-suite. So now you can start to see um, the trends, right? So in this case, this particular investment is doing a great job. They're trending in the right way for gender diversity. So you might want to call them out, ask them how they did that, share those best practices, celebrate them, um, et cetera. Where this one perhaps is trending the wrong way. So you might want to work with them and say, why are you trending the wrong way? What is happening? How do we get your, your trend? And by the way, this is the goal that our organization has set for gender diversity within our organization. This is where we want to be as a fund, as an entity, as whatever. Um, and you can work towards that. So some of it is figuring out how to get the data, collect it on an ongoing basis in a scalable, um, manageable manner, but then also communicating it, right? Being transparent about it, communicating progress, and seeing how you're um, doing according to your goals. So I might pause there. Um, I think we're two minutes left, so that went fast. Any questions or anything that you want me to elaborate on? Or, um, yeah, please. I can't hear you, sorry. How does, lo how does location of properties play into developing the strategy? Developing the, strategy. the location of your properties? Yeah, for sure. So another trend that's um, kind of emerged recently within ESG is resiliency, right? So if you have properties in Miami and they say Miami might be underwater in our lifetime, um, that's a risk you have to manage. Or if you have properties that are in other climate disaster type areas, that has to play into how you manage. So there's going to be some factors of your program that are just overarching as an organization. We say, this is what we're doing. This is how we collect data. These are our goals as an organization, no matter where our properties are. They could be globally. They could be in um, you know higher risk areas. And then you might have more regional uh, applications for where you have those properties that are in areas that you know might might face um, threats of wildfires or flooding or you know whatever it might be so um, so I think it's 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 there's two facets to it right you want to look globally at the universe of everything that your company is doing for all locations and then you might want to have some more tactical approaches within those regions in short there's more there's a lot more that goes with that but sure yes yeah, for sure, for sure. So the question was, um, you're talking about data points for utility bills, utility bill management, but then you're also talking about data points for the S and G, which are a bit different. Um, this gentleman was not planted in the audience, but he does ask if there's one system or one software or one platform that would aggregate all that information together. So that is what we do at my company. Um, at Gobi, we are looking at you know the, the utility bills down to the property level, down to the meter level. How do you boil that all up under the E? But then how do you also simultaneously collect the S and G data and and 
publish it all together so that it makes sense as part of a comprehensive program. So um, yes, and I will say, so um, Gobi's been around for about 12 years. I've been there for almost a decade. For the first like eight-ish years of that, it was everything was about the E. Everything's about the E. It was called sustainability. Everything was about energy, water, waste, carbon, E, E, E. In the last 18 months, S and G have exploded. People want to know what are you doing within the S and G, not just the E. So we've expanded our offering to accommodate for that, right? So that people who want to have a comprehensive ESG program um, will have, you know, can, can address all of the above. So yes, talk to, um, talk to me or talk to my colleagues sitting right in front of you if you want more information. Um, did you have a question too? Yeah, for sure. They don't want to pay for it. So that's a problem um, because there are some, you know, there is definitely some direct ROI, NOI with regards to ESG. So you can prove, right, if I'm tracking my energy, if I'm tracking my water, if I'm reducing it, communicating, managing a program, you're going to reduce your operating costs, right? So that's real. There are also some intangible benefits, right? Like how can you put a price on employee retention or attracting top talent? You can, but there's permutations, right, in those calculations. So um, the pricing structure for us, it, it depends on either um, if we're looking at real estate locations, right? So number of locations, if you have 1,000, it's a better price than if you have 12. Um, and, it kind of, and then it depends, are you tracking only E? Are you tracking E, S, and G? And, and other, you know, there's um, other services and things you can layer on top. But um, yeah, we try to build the business case as part of it, right? Because unless you're building the business case, if you're just bringing someone a proposal here, I'd like to spend this money on an ESG program, it, you, might be met, you might be met with opposition, but these days you might not you know, because people understand the importance. But that's something, again, happy to work through with you personally in your own scenario. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I'm gonna get kicked off the stage now, so, yeah. Haley, no, never kicked off. Fantastic, thank you very <laughs> okay, much. Good. Team, we, we do have to stop because we've got the next topic coming up straight after. I'm sure Haley will take any questions for anyone who has any after the session. Thank you. Yeah, of course, thanks. Good job. Okay, yes. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org content to submit your idea.